Um, so, are we rolling? Pharaoh Monch is in the basement. Peace, peace. <laughs> Last time I saw you, I'm trying to work it out. I know that we were at a Caribbean restaurant. I was with Robert Glasper. Yeah. What was that for? I can't remember what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a piece about New York, I think. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been about 10 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Where was your head at at that point? Where were um, you at in your life? At that time, I was just getting in, introduced to Glasper, so I was probably like, who the hell is this this dude? But now we've worked together on so many things. Recently, we uh, worked on the Miles Davis movie, movie soundtrack. Uh, we got a song in the, together in the soundtrack for the Miles Davis movie, so we worked on that. Can and you tell me more about this? Because I haven't seen it. I've only heard rumors, and it's not been shown yet. Has it, has it had any previews? Oh, Have man. you seen it? Uh, Cheadle plays Miles Davis, yeah. and uh, I went to the the screening. He murders the film as usual. It's a great movie, uh, set in the seventies in a specific time. I don't want to give anything away, but uh, the music is brilliant. Uh, Robert uh, and a couple of other guys actually play the the music throughout the movie. Who's playing trumpet? Oh my god, <laughs> I just I forget his name. He's out of Brooklyn. I just we just finished working together on a song. Okay, I forget his name right now. I'm sorry, but uh, it's it's amazing. He also plays the trumpet on the song that uh we did for the soundtrack, and uh, uh I'm just like blown away by how Don Cheadle embodied. Miles Davis in the film. What I love about what I've heard about this film is that because usually these biopics, they kind of try and cover a whole career, which is usually a little bit It's loose. a big of a mistake because there's not enough time to do that in the yeah. film. Yeah, so what's the sort of period that this is focusing on? What period? Is it early 70s? Is it... <laughs> what, kind <of> clothes are, <laughs> what, what kind of clothes is Miles wearing? Uh, is he con- it, it's 70s. Yeah. He is pretty much wilding out. He's going through his drug phase, and he falls in love with a with a lady who who changes his life dramatically. And uh, it's a period where where he had a little lull in his music career with the label, and he's having trouble recording new music. So that's where they start at. Very good. Um, is you, if I could pick a track from, have you got a Miles track that you'd like that you that, that you go back to? I was listening to the Jack Johnson album the other day, which mm. I think is an incredible. I, I hadn't listened to that for ages. That sort of feels like that possible period. Or are you more of a sort of acoustic Miles guy? I'm. 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 I went with the the change period where he he phased off into the uh, the kind of eclectic new age stuff that he was doing uh forget the name of the album that everybody sampled the one heavy d sampled i'm sorry but uh yeah i'm into more into that stuff but his whole career is inspiring obviously yeah it comes what comes another home drum did he dump drum some young mom got stuck one two three four five six hard as a heavy hits coming with like tricks and pretty chicks in control of my whole stroke Check it out. Hell's got 
Now, when you were back in the day, organized confusion and all that stuff, I mean, you were producing a big part of that music, right? Yeah. That was you. Yes. And you had the music and the records. Where were you getting all the sounds from? Well, uh, obviously, you start off with your parents' collection. Right. And then you you go out digging for music. Uh, For us, we were fortunate. Uh, A good friend of ours, father was selling his collection and you know we had been to you know certain spots in the hood dusty basements and all this and um he calls me on the phone he's like you're you're gonna want to take a look at this collection and i was like you know describe to me what kind of stuff he has because you know it's usually like old corny stuff and he was like well there's this one album here with skulls and bones on the cover I was like, Skull Snaps? He was like, yeah, that's the name of it. How'd you know? And I was like, I'll be in the Bronx in five minutes, you know. Stand up and fight with all of your might. You can make it if you try. actually took a cab to the dude's house and collection was just insane you know and that is the collection that garnered the first album you know because uh, we were working with the late Paul C and uh, Paul McCaskey who worked with Paul and Rock Him and Super Lover C and those cats and he was working on our music and he passed away so we were kind of pushed into the role of becoming producers which is why that first album sounds so experimental we were actually going to the studio with records no pre-production for most of the the music we were just surmising this is what we want to do and this is what we want to use you know so you had your lyrics down you just had to kind of create the beats in the studio with those records right we uh we uh you know got samplers later into the deal but the demos that, you know, pushed that deal forward was just us going to the studio and looping stuff up in the studio and, you know, creating right there, writing and then, you know, going home and, you know, rewriting and stuff like that. If we were to go to the first Organized Confusion album right now, which track for you still resonates and you're still going, yeah, this really, we hit, we hit every, every box we wanted to hit. Ah, oh, man first album yeah I would have to say hypnotical gases hypnotical gases just uh, it embodied a lot of what I grew up on I, I grew up on a lot of jazz I grew up on a lot of weather report from my brother and was familiar with Zoe Knoll and Jocko and Alfonso Johnson and those names and hearing my brother always these guys are incredible and then like looking at the records to find out who they were so it was ironic that we infused Weather Report into the the second half of that song 
Pharaoh Monch in the studio. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here coming through. Got a show in London with a UK band, right? Yeah, yeah. These guys are... are uh, I've seen these guys at uh, Ronnie Scott's. And uh, they're like 19, 21, 22 years old. And the level of musicianship that they were playing with, I was just in awe, you know, like, wow. Uh, the name of the band is the Ezra Collective. When did you hear them for the first time? Uh, this was like a year and a half, right. two years ago. And uh, a DJ friend of mine, Sarah Love, put me up on the band, the artists, and we tried to infuse them into the act, you know, because I was looking for some musicians over here because I play here so much. I was like, we gotta, you know, spice up the show. So uh, I I went to see these guys. They were really talented. I was like, if they could get the the temperament of the hip hop part of what I do, I think it'll work. So um, it's really hitting its stride right now. I think we're the tightest that we've been since we've we've been together. I noticed that on the last album you worked with the Step Kids. And uh, unfortunately, I just heard that they broke up. Oh, yeah, although I'm sure they're still friends. I think they're just yeah. pursuing, because I think one of them was like with Alicia Keys, and they were like such amazing musicians themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff was in a band that I had on Rock the Bell, so he played uh, guitar in that band with a couple of other people. Andre Gill, who was uh, the music director for Alicia Keys. So Andre came in for me to music direct my band for Rock the Bells tour and he brought in Jeff and uh, I just thought he was an amazing guitarist and we would be on the tour bus and he would be singing as well and I was like, oh man, you got nice vocals too. So we, we toured the States on the Rage Against the Machine tour and then we went to Australia with the band, like full band. It was amazing. They brought the whole band over there. And then on that tour, he was telling me that uh, he was he was thinking about leaving the Alicia Keys gig to do his own band. And would that be a mistake? And I definitely was like, he played me some stuff that would turn out to be his stepkids. And I was like, this stuff is amazing. So I'm sad to hear they broke up. As we're helpless in these 
listened to and talking to Pharaoh Monch, Giles Peterson on BBC Radio 6 Music. We've spoken about organised confusion. He made three albums. That was a magic golden age of hip-hop. And uh, with organised confusion, you're one of the highest and the classic groups. You made some amazing music. Now then there was this uh, switch. Hip-hop was changing and Raucous came along. And uh, I remember being in New York and uh, Kenny Dope coming up to me with a with a DAT, a DAT tape. And he said, you might like this one, because I had a record label in London called uh, Talking Loud. And uh, he said, you might like this one. And uh, I took it home and it was a most deaf. It was uh, Universal Magnetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, this is on a brand new label called Focus Records. And so that was my introduction. To Rockers Records, what was your introduction to Rockers Records, and how do you feel? How did music feel at that time, and how? Where did you fit into it? It, it was a crazy uh, transitional period for me because I had just finished the last record with uh, Organized Confusion, the Equinox, and I told Prince I wanted to take some time out to gather myself as an individual and reflect and just take a break. Coming off of that break. I started recording some demos because labels were already asking me about a solo a solo record as soon as they heard we were released from the, the last thing and I still was like ah, I don't know you know I just want to find myself a little bit and then uh, it hit me all these these ideas that were individual ideas I felt personal thoughts that I needed to get out and I started recording some stuff um, in the in the midst of working on those demos, I still had enough clout from the group that uh, Bobito brought me over here with High and Mighty and uh, the Arsonist just to tour. I was doing songs from the demo. You know, I wanted to try them out to make sure that they worked live. And um, when I got back, a friend of mine, Mr. Complex, was telling me about. Uh, bookstore in Brooklyn where uh, Talib Kweli and the most deaf were doing like small performances in the bookstore and um, the reason why he was telling me that because I was like who are the like best in the game right now I want to watch them perform I want to like do a reset with my career I don't want to start off as the guy from that group I want to do a complete reset so I would go to the bookstore to watch Talib and most perform in this you know small bookstore with like 25 30 people at most and um even when they were performing I was loving the arrangements of their performances and um met the guys and I was like yo man you guys are great and Talib was like I love organizing you know he was a fan and um as I started to you know create more music Talib was the one who was like, you should check out Raucous Records, you know. The the temperament of what you're doing is what's happening there as well. So um had a bunch of offers, met with those guys, Brian and Jarrett from Raucous, and played them some music. And uh, they were instantly like, this is a no-brainer. So... Uh, Outside of a couple of other labels, I decided to go with them because I love the 
independent way that they were releasing singles quickly and music you know it was a it was a a thing that felt good in the street a thing that felt good just just you know organically you know and i like the talent that they had on the label it felt uh inspiring to me and i knew that based off of what uh most and talib and uh mr lynn and co-flow and them were doing i was like this stuff is going to push me as well as i might offer some camaraderie and inspiration to the label as well very good yeah company flow that's something that you know they're a group i mean that stuff was whoa that was out there right (laughs) at the time um i had saul williams here yesterday he came in and he was in town and uh did you ever kind of uh did you do some spoken word stuff did you get into that zone new eureka cafe all that kind of stuff i i never did but i did meet saul at the new eureka cafe right i we were staying in the same hotel so i saw him yesterday at breakfast he told me that but years ago um he came up to me and he he told me how inspiring hypnotical gases as a record was for him and that blew me away because i would go see him do spoken word at, at new eurekan you know so it's amazing how that stuff or how what we did translated to the poetry and spoken word world at that time i mean you're both survivors of a game which is regarded as a young game mm-hmm. right so you know most i mean he was saying that you know he didn't want to be a uh, a rapper after 16 because he thought he was already too old right? <laughs> <laughs> so he focused on poetry but for you you know the thing about the two of you and it's interesting that you both came here today after day really because i couldn't have picked on two more important interesting out of the box type of artists and and you know how do you see yourself these days with the new generation coming in i mean you getting the love from the kendrick lamars and these guys because it feels to me that there's a very interesting new generation who are kind of putting lyrics back into it and concepts back into it it's amazing man that that whole unit over there with Kendrick and them I'm a fan of and what J. Cole is doing I'm a fan of it's a lot a lot of great music and the fact that radio sucks so bad in the states it's kind of like you have to go back to how it was in the 80s and 90s you got to find it because they're not really playing hip-hop so to speak on the radio or any forward provocative music on the radio at all in any genre so it's back to a time where you really got to go and seek out what's really dope and and inspirational else you'll just get a bunch of mundane whatever and you'll feel like the genre is not good at all but it's really at a good point right now you know the other thing just one point it's interesting i'm just listening to you but you know kendrick's he's used sarah on his records and you can feel that sarah creative partners they had a huge impact on the california scene flying lotus thundercat all of that i mean if you look back sarah when they came along they were like you know blowing it up and you were the first to get them on a production i mean agent orange was them right yeah I used a lot of producers first, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, I, I think they had done some stuff, but they were shopping a deal at Raucous at the time for a group, and I was like, no, 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 I need this music for me as well. We were we were cool, Taz and Omas and 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 uh, Shafiq hit off me and Shafiq. 
still very cool and the rest of the guys we seek to work together again but everybody's just so all over the place and uh, I knew I felt like Raucous dropped the ball the second time I felt they dropped the ball with Eminem obviously not signing him Kanye wanted to sign there as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah wanted to sign there as well. So, you know, I was like, what are you doing? This stuff is amazing, you know? Did you never do any A&R? Could you have done that sort of thing? I you think... kind of were doing it anyway, right? <laughs> I, I think so. Um, you mentioned Bobito just now, right? Yeah. And uh, did you see the film he did? Yeah, I did. Did you perform? Were you in that? Yeah, I, I did a little freestyle and... There's some other little cuts and segments and stuff that I, that I'm in. That that's actually, you know, an amazing time that that I'm glad and proud they did the film for, because hip hop needs to be documented in a way because it, as you can see, as the history is going, it the story will get told all types of different ways. So it's great to do films that way, so people could get a glimpse and words from the actual people who participated and played music in that time that radio station as well as uh k kmel out in uh the bay with sway and them were very instrumental in organized confusion as well as uh, a lot of other underground artists because at the time it was the people and those stations were connected directly to the people who gave you the nod that you were good enough to move to the next level and it's very important culturally that you got that pass from the people who have seen other groups come before you to, to acknowledge you and say yeah we think this this artist is ready to move on to the next level or you know at this level to be at this station so everybody who came there were prepared you know, I never seen a radio show where people were like, we're going to rehearse. Like, and when we went up there, it was like we had what we were doing. But but right after the, you know, Cool Keith, Large Professor, Prince Paul, Farrell, March era, I started to see groups coming in like we are going to be prepared to perform at this radio station. You know, so I was like, wow, you know, this is dope for hip hop. Everyone was listening to it? Yeah. Everyone was listening? Yeah. That film blew me away. I saw it last year. I was lucky enough because Stretch and Bobito were here to do a Q&A afterwards and I just watched it. I do radio, as you know, and it was like, it just gave me a real lift as a broadcaster and the power of radio and particularly that time and the fact that they had it filmed, man. I mean, that was like, you know, yes, nowadays everything's on mm -hmm. film, but there isn't a lot of footage of Jay-Z spitting or yourself or all these people like, yeah. you know, early days, right? Yeah, I remember the, the first time we went, we were doing bars from Prisoners of War from the first album and uh, Hypnotical Gases and all that stuff. And the power went out at the station while we were freestyling. And Bob was like, he hooked it up like our verses caused the power to go out. And that kind of like was a, a, you know, set off our buzz in the city at the time. So that's what we were known for <laughs> that's good is there a memory in your mind of being at home listening to the show and hearing somebody or a song at that time that made you think yeah I'm, I'm proud to be part of this uh, yeah that song that that definitely would be Ego Trippin Ultra Mag Ultra. I think you know I 
think Prince Poet just bought a new box, or his father bought him a new box. It was a Kanyan boombox. And I think that was the only song we played all day, just continuously. This is ego tripping. Like, that was, a, that was for us, I think for hip hop at the time, I think that was a game changer. MF Doom, Cool Keith, Pharaoh Monch. Who else is there in your category? Avant Garde. Pushing it out, hip hop. I don't. I, I don't even know if I'm. I'm avant garde. It's cool, keep <laughs> No. Well, he's probably the most yeah. avant garde, right? But I mean, uh, who'd you go and go? Yeah, mate. You know, like we're talking about company flow, for example. It's sort of certain people who just like, you know, they're. they're it's still hip hop, but yeah, it's definitely. Cold flow was was amazing. Um. Freestyle Fellowship and uh, 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 Far Side and you know I, I really thought those guys were pushing the envelope as well you know so and Souls yeah Souls of Mischief they were really pushing the envelope yeah I really loved what they were doing when they first came out it's Pharaoh Monch. We're listening and talking and discussing. Talk to me about your new album. It came out last year, right? Yeah, uh, Post Traumatic Stress Disorder dropped uh, April 2014. Very heartfelt album, very personal album. I, I was thinking follow up to the War album, uh, which did very well. You know, we had. Royce the Five Nine and Gene Gray and uh, um, we had uh, Immortal Technique and Jill Scott and the album did amazingly well. So the thought process was less. We know you take a long time to work on another album. Let's let's follow this up with um, a new product. And uh, the thought process was let's follow War with. PTSD and then what slowed it down some is I was like if I'm gonna call it that it has to be my personal issues and I'm usually rapping about inanimate objects bullets unborn children and I was like let's take time out to find out who Pharaoh March is and what his ailments are and what his struggles are speak from Troy's perspective for the first time um, Simon says sick of it uh, you know <laughs> my, 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 my manager was, was just saying to me not too long ago it's amazing how you still embrace the record and perform the record and I know that uh, artists with hits like that are like I'm so tired of this record but fortunately for me, <laughs> I love the record and I went about making the record with, with shelf life, uh, a little bit of shelf life, you know, infused in there. Uh, the weirdness of the chorus being wordy, as well as it having the top pun that obviously, you know, is the curse word. 
but all the titty stuff and the itty bitty stuff is just still fun for me to perform that part of the chorus and um, I'm appreciative of the song I, I had uh, did a show with uh, Big Daddy Kane once in North Carolina and I'm a perfectionist and a couple of things were off and he saw that I was bothered that the show was off and he took me aside and he was like dude like you have a song that remains in has transcended in hip-hop for over a period of time and not many people have those and you need to embrace that you really need to be smiling right now and you really need to be happy because a lot of people don't have those and his words made me even reflect on my career differently and that song differently the words that big daddy kane told me that day great load of remixes of that song mm-hmm. um have you got a particular there was some bootlegs there was drum and bass there was all kinds of, i mean there was you know which recently like? i heard a japanese heavy metal cover of some- <laughs> <laughs> there was a running size there was a dj height there was what else i've got a bunch man And push it as well. That's another one that kind of lives on, right? That was off the Desire album, and that record kind of saved, saved that record, and saved me, in a sense. In that, uh, we were working on that record. We were coming off of Internal Affairs, and I was going through so much turmoil with the record labels and contracts and stuff that I wanted to make an ode to the people who helped me persevere through that time so that's why that album is inspirational and desire and push and um uh, steve rifkin who i was signed to at the time was in love with the record i mean the label was so behind the record and we finished up and little wayne dropped lollipop and the label just took all their funds and put it behind lollipop and we were left with only one video off the record luckily we had a division of universal over here that loved the record and push started getting burned on radio one it was in top top five here so the label over here flew the band out again with with dude from step kids we recorded live sessions in the studios bbc studios Push, Desire, and Body Baby live. And uh, basically, the, the, the record label took over the project. We shot a video for Desire. And, uh, you know, that kept that project going. Your relationship with London seems a bit special. Yeah, it is. It's, it, it is. And I don't yet know how to thank the fans here for the love that I've I've gotten I mean that from from my heart I mean it is one of the reasons why my career has survived this long the relationship and I'm over here so much performing you know every year sometimes twice a year sometimes more than that for festivals and everything so we try to put something together you know the last show I did here we had tubas and Jews of phones and everything live on stage because we're always trying to trump the last show 
that we did because the shows are always so good and people always come back so you're like what are we going to do this time you know so we got a little something up our sleeve please for tonight good i'm looking forward to it (laughs) (laughs) i'm looking forward to it so um personal life how is it all going how do you how do you deal with it i always ask this to everybody because i'm a dj i'm traveling around and you know family life and Mm -hmm. travel what's your way of of staying focused motivated yet humility conscious yeah um not to sound cliche or corny but i really really love what i do i love the art of creating I understand that I'm fortunate and blessed to do it for a living so I take that in consideration when creating it each time so what takes time is me waiting for the the, 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 the inspiration to be honest you know at least from my perspective and so uh, got a call from Dr. Dre recently and um you know, he, we're going to fly out and play him some of the, the new music. But one of the things he said to me once was, your voice always sounds hungry again after all these years. Not in the sense of hungry, I want to be the top MC, but just uh, organically f- refreshed again. He was asking me, where do you get that from? Kind of the same question. But um, my answer to that is I, I really love this process. I really love what I do. And from the beginning, you know, since we were digging through Miles and Coltrane and James Hendrix and all these old records that still resonated 10, 15 years to the point where we were digging and we were saying, this is dope. I wanted to be like those guys. So I'm like, what makes their music have a longer shelf life than just the the song of the summer or the artists and you know you need to write that way you know to try to have some longevity in your career if you want to mimic how these people resonated at the time throughout time you know so that that's really where that comes from i never saw from the beginning me doing this for two or three summers getting some jewelry and then doing something else i saw it as a long-term thing you discovered I said Sarah what other producers did you open up breakthrough that you're proud of I would like to say that there were a lot of artists there was a few artists that worked with M Phases out of Australia but I think still standing um I saw a lot of People getting at him after that record as well as uh, you know even the, my, my partner is, is Lee Stone so I see a lot of people reaching out to him but we're, we're doing we've always been a collaborative since the first record he's so instrumental in that demo you know I was recording Internal Affairs in a closet you know above his parents crib you know so Lee Stone is the one that that's very instrumental the most in my solo career so uh, his name is not as like 
he's not flashy like that, but I see who reaches out to him. So We lost Morris White recently, Earth, Wind & Fire. You sampled, I'd love to play um, Walk Through the, the Sun. What's your favorite Earth, Wind & Fire song? It's too many, man. Sorry, it's too many. Again, you, you talk about groove, pocket, vocals, arrangement, changes, chord changes, feel, uh, lyrically, you know, talking about dimensions and, and things that were not just, you know, pop but deep lyrics. This is what helped inspires, you know, hip hop, the rock hymns and you know, the, the artists that seek to reach a little deeper with what they're saying, this is the band that pushed that envelope for that. Because because the songs are so layered musically, they'll never die out. You know, those those songs, they take on new meaning as you get older with the songs, like good literature. And that's the whole thing, man. If you could if you could achieve that, then I think you're that that's what true a true artist is. The sun reflects off of the waves at sea. Rain support roots that impress the tree. There's a breeze and a block kites fly high under the branches. Convertible fly by the sky. Blue fills green. Paints a picture that creates a scene of the destiny that controls my fate. Reflections of light create shapes. Inside of this particular sphere, I see kids in the street. And when I pass, I go beep, beep, beep. See the black boy over there running scared. His old man runs numbers. Summers coming and he'll feel dumb if the sun doesn't have a new pair of sneakers. So he combinates people's numbers and sequence when play straight but not in the leaders. Hip-hop pumps inside of Jeeps and cars. It's daytime, but we still keep stars. Parties every night, we gotta move, we gotta go, we gotta step. Let's Um, Pharaoh Monch, new album on the way then? You're talking to Dre, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> working working on a new record, and um, I'm, I'm seeking to make it the most aggressive record that I've done. I'm seeking to go back to some anger with some issues that I have, um, not just blurting out political and social issues but some real issues that I have in America right now personally with uh, the music industry and things that I uh, see going on not in a cliche way but um, it, it's still very deep it, it really goes back to bars bars in the sense of uh, kind of what you were getting from internal affairs and it really has a um, a 70s rock feel to it. I was told by management to stop saying that because people have their own opinion to what rock is. But to me, rock is it's hip-hop in the sense that Led Zeppelin and John Bottom, Rush and Neil Peart, and those guys, the way they played, I would always want to rhyme that the pocket would be so crazy so funk and and the soul of it even sabbath you know they were pulling from 
gospel and soul if you really listen to what they were doing that's what drew me to rock music and that's what's infused in this new record and it's it's coming out amazing i'm trying to make it my most amazing record yet with the intention of performing it live on stage with the band for me <laughs> <laughs> no, I need to get the Miles Davis track <laughs> I reckon Glasper might have it right yeah 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 he's been holding back 